Close Horse is brought to you with support from the following sustainable brands. Selena Sanders, a social impact brand that specializes in upcycle clothing using only reclaimed vintage or thrifted materials from tea towels, linens, blankets, and quilts. Sustainably crafted in Los Angeles, each piece is designed to last in one's closet for generations to come. Maximum style, minimal carbon footprint. Shift clothing out of beautiful Astoria, Oregon, with a focus on natural fibers, simple hardworking designs, and putting fat people first. Discover more at shiftwheeler.com. Late to the party, creating one-of-a-kind statement clothing from vintage, salvaged, and thrifted textiles. They hope to tap into the dreamy memories we all hold. Floral curtains, a childhood dress, the wallpaper in your best friend's rec room all while creating modern, sustainable garments that you'll love wearing and have for years to come. Late to the Party is passionate about celebrating and preserving textiles, the memories they hold, and the stories they have yet to tell. Check them out on Instagram at Late to the Party People. Vino Vintage, based just outside of LA. We love the hunt of shopping secondhand because you never know what you might find. Catch us at flea markets around Southern California by following us on Instagram at vino.vintage so you don't miss our next event. Gabriella Antonis is a visual artist and an ethical trade fashion designer. But Gabriella is also a radical feminist micro-business. She's the one-woman band trying to help you understand why slow fashion is what the earth needs. The one-woman band to help you build your own brand. She can take your fashion line from just a concept and do your sketches, pattern making, grading, sourcing, cutting, and sewing. The second option is for those who aren't trying to start a business and who just want ethical garments. Gabriella Antonis will create custom made-to-measure garments just for you. Her goal is to help help one person of any size at a time, including beyond size 40. To inquire about this serendipitous intersectional offering of either concept, DM her on Instagram to book a consultation. Please follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Gabriella Antonis. And that's Gabriella with one L. Gotta get that spelling right. Dylan Page is an online clothing and lifestyle brand based out of St. Louis, Missouri. Our products are chosen with intention for the conscious community. Everything we carry is animal-friendly, ethically made, sustainably sourced, and cruelty-free. Dylan Page is for those who never stop questioning where something comes from. We know that personal experience dictates what's sustainable for you, and we are here to help guide and support you to make choices that fit your needs. Check us out at dylanpage.com and find us on Instagram at dylanpagelifeandstyle. Salt Hats, purveyors of truly sustainable hats, hand-blocked, sewn, and embellished in Detroit, Michigan. Find us on Instagram at Salt Hats. Karen Kinney Studio. Located in western Massachusetts, Karen specializes in handcrafted earrings from found, upcycled, and repurposed fabrics, as well as other eco-friendly curios, all with a hint of nostalgia, a dollop of whimsy, a dash of color, and 100% fun. Karen is an artist slash designer who believes the materials we use matter. See more on Instagram at Karen Kinney Studio or online at www.cKinney.com. Gentle Vibes Vintage. 
We are purveyors of polyester and psychedelic relics. We encourage experimentation and play not only in your wardrobe, but in your home too. We have thousands of killer vintage pieces ready for their next adventure. See them all on Instagram at Gentle Vibes Vintage. Thumbprint is Detroit's only fair trade marketplace located in the historic Eastern Market. Our small business specializes in products handmade by empowered women in South Africa, making a living wage, creating things they love like hand-painted candles and ceramics. We also carry a curated assortment of sustainable and natural locally made goods. Thumbprint is a great gift destination for both the special people in your life and for yourself. Browse our online store at thumbprintdetroit.com and find us on Instagram at Thumbprint Detroit. Blank Cass, or Blanket Coats by Cass, is focused on restoring, renewing, and reviving the history held within vintage and heirloom textiles. By embodying the love, craft, and energy that is original to each vintage textile as I transfer it into a new garment, I hope we can reteach ourselves to care for and mend what we have and make it last. Blank Cass lives on Instagram at blank underscore Cass, and a website will be launched soon at blankcass.com. Located in Whistler, Canada, Velvet Underground is a velvet jungle full of vintage and secondhand clothing, plants, a vegan cafe, and lots of rad products from other small sustainable businesses. Our mission is to create a brand and community dedicated to promoting self-expression, as well as educating and inspiring a more sustainable and conscious lifestyle, both for the people and the planet. Find us on Instagram at shop underscore velvet underground or online at www.shopvelvetunderground.com. St. Evans is a New York City-based vintage shop that is dedicated to bringing you those special pieces you'll reach for again and again. More than just a store, St. Evans is dedicated to sharing the stories and history behind the garments. 10% of all sales are donated to a different charitable organization each month. For the month of February, St. Evans is supporting the Yellow Hammer Fund, a reproductive justice organization serving Alabama and the Deep South. New Vintage is released every Thursday at wearstevens.com with previews of new pieces and more brought to you on Instagram at where underscore st dot evens. That's where St. Evans. Country Feedback is a mom and pop record shop in Tarboro, North Carolina. They specialize in used rock, country, and soul and offer affordable vintage clothing and housewares. Do you have used records you want to sell? Country Feedback wants to buy them. Find us on Instagram at Country Feedback Vintage and Vinyl or head down east and visit our brick and mortar. All are welcome at this inclusive and family-friendly record shop in the country. Republica Unicornia Yarns. Handmade yarn and notions for the color obsessed. Made with love and some swearing in fabulous Atlanta, Georgia by head yarn wench Kathleen. Get ready for rainbows with a side of giving a damn. Republica Unicornia is all about making your own magic using small batch, responsibly sourced, hand-dyed yarns, and thoughtfully made notions. 
slow fashion all the way down and discover the joy of creating your very own beautiful hand-knit, crocheted, or woven pieces. Find us on Instagram at republica underscore unicornia underscore yarns and at www.republicaunicornia.com. Picnicware, a slow fashion brand ethically made by hand from vintage and dead stock materials, most notably vintage towels. Founder Danny has worked in the industry as a fashion designer for over 10 years, but started Picnicware in response to her dissatisfaction with the industry's shortcomings. Picnicware recently moved to rural North Carolina, where all their sewing and accessories are now designed and cut, but the majority of their sewing is done by skilled garment workers in New York City. Their customers take comfort in knowing that all their sewists are paid well above New York City minimum wage. Picnicwear offers minimal waste and maximum authenticity. Future vintage over future garbage. Cute Little Ruin is an online shop dedicated to providing quality vintage and secondhand clothing, vinyl, and home items in a wide range of styles and price points. If it's ethical and legal, we try to find a home for it. Vintage style with progressive values. Find us on Instagram at Cute Little Ruin. Horse, the podcast that likes to quote Robert Reich a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm really cool. I'm your host, Amanda, and this is episode 116. Today's main event will be the second half of my conversation with Rita, aka Panty Witch. I know a lot of you really loved the first half. I received some really nice comments about it. So I hope you're back to listen to the second. And if you haven't listened to the first half, you know. I'm going to go tell you to listen to that first. We'll be talking about two of the major obstacles that limit access to slow fashion, size and cost. Big issues, right? We'll also be talking about Instagram again. And most importantly, we'll talk about how much the community around us means to us. Before that, I'm going to share another audio essay inspired by the great resignation. In December alone, more than 4 million Americans quit their jobs. And it's been almost sort of functioning as a general strike, giving workers power over their employers and a real seat at the negotiating table for the first time in decades. Like this, this year could be the moment that changes what work is forever, or at least for a really long time. I'm going to quote my hero. Okay, one of my heroes. I have a lot of heroes. I hope you have a lot of heroes too. I'm going to quote Berkeley professor Robert Reich. He was also the secretary of labor for the Clinton administration. He's one of the few reasons I opened Twitter. (laughs) He told The Atlantic last October, quote, employees don't want to return to backbreaking or boring low-wage jobs. Workers are burned out. They're fed up. They're fried. In the wake of so much hardship and illness and death during the past year, they're not going to take it anymore. We're quitting our jobs. We're trying new things. We're trying to start our own businesses or go back to school or just reset what it means to work, to survive, to thrive. In fact, 
Maybe we're saying, I no longer will be happy with just surviving. I expect to be thriving. So today's audio essay from Veronica is a great example of how and why some of us are making that big and very scary decision to leave our jobs. Let's give it a listen. Hello, my name is Veronica, and I am calling in from Delaware. I'm 35 years old, and I quit my jobs at Lowe's November 2021. My typical day in those months, I would wake up at 5 in the morning, go to Lowe's, come home from work at 2. I would work on my house and the yard. The home was abandoned for three years before I bought it in 2018. It still had not felt like a home and I felt this pressure to have a nice home for my son to come home to. So that was already a lot for me as a single mother. But I also would prioritize cooking because eating healthy food or home cooked meals at least was important to me keeping the house clean creating some some sort of structure and order was also important because growing up that was something we lacked so i wanted to make sure in our new home we had this established and on top of that making sure i was on top of everything with my son like homework and teaching him the things i really wanted him to learn so for months uh, i was able to manage but it started to all of that work started to catch up and it became very overwhelming I, i stopped finding joy in the little things and i also didn't make time for the things i liked that gave me life like art and dancing so i didn't want to continue living like that most importantly because i had come a long way on my self-love journey that that i had started in november 2020 for a whole year i dedicated my mental focus on practicing new healthy habits like practicing patience delaying my reactions and controlling my emotions everything i needed to do to break old unhealthy habits that i had picked up and learned from early childhood trauma so after working so hard so hard for a year creating a new life and new habits i didn't want it to go to waste i refused to go backwards and that's when i decided it was now or never So in November, I decided I was going to make a sacrifice and quit my job. Since quitting my job, my mental health has improved significantly. I have so much more peace in my life, so much more focus. Um, I'm prioritizing the things that really matter to me. I had more time to fix up my home. I worked on refurbishing old furniture, painting the walls finishing the floors I put up trim I updated lights and our house finally felt like a home it was a great feeling and alongside me was my son helping in the yard cutting down trees grouting tile whatever I needed help with I knew I could count on him and I love seeing him get 
fully engaged into what he was doing and wanting to keep going. So to me, that, that those were proud moments that I am absolutely grateful for. Um, I became more compassionate as well. And most importantly, I was able to work on creating this healthy, loving relationship with him. I was no longer too exhausted or too stressed <laughs> like I used to be or short tempered. <clears throat> I now look forward to seeing what his new hobbies are going to be. Uh, this is a kid who would draw on rocks at four years old and sell them to our neighbors. <laughs> He's always been a go-getter. Right now he is fixing up his dirt bike. Loves to work out, which is perfect because we can do that together. He likes shoes a lot. And a cool project he is doing is refurbishing shoes he finds on Facebook Market and he resells them. <laughs> I absolutely love that. I feel like having more peace has allowed me to have more joy in the small things. I've learned to slow down and enjoy the quietness that comes with with this new lifestyle being an inspiration to my son is my biggest goal which is why it was important for me to get inspired and find my next plan and not get lost in sorrow or hopelessness i would remind myself that god gives us everything we need I remember asking myself, okay, what skills do I have that I can offer? And it's funny how I had forgotten about my dreams for a moment. Since I was in high school, I had always wanted to own my own salon. One day I was sitting and I thought, wait, I have my cosmetology license and I have this house. It's way too big. We have extra space, so why not? I started getting to work and I slowly transformed a part of my home into my dream spa. It's going to be a hair salon slash spa. I'm going to be cutting hair, doing updos, waxing and facial services. All my favorite things. God willing, I will be open in three weeks. I still have a lot of work to do, but I am excited. I feel fortunate and blessed and, and I'm so glad that I took that risk. And made that decision it's definitely uh, catapulted my life into a better direction i'm excited my advice i can offer anybody is to make the most of what you have absolutely if you can do that imagine what you can do when you have more and don't let anything get in the way of your dreams some people are never going to understand the method to your madness and that is okay <laughs> it's okay as long as you know what you are doing go for it have patience there's going to be new obstacles but don't give up i've been dreaming about this since i was 18 and i knew i would somehow find my way after years of doing hair and nails on and off up until now, since I got my cosmetology license, oh, I'm, I'm finally going to do it. I'm, I finally have created that. I look forward to hearing more stories of people who are willing to take risks in order to live a more mindful, healthier life and supporting things that really matter. 
the things that are going to make this world a better place because we absolutely can. So um, thank you. Thank you for listening to my story here from Delaware, the East Coast. Thank you so much, Veronica, for your thoughtful and inspiring essay. I loved it. It made my day listening to this. I'm so excited for you and your son and your spa. I can't wait to hear all about what happens next. So you have to keep me up to date. I'm sending you so much love from Texas to Delaware. And I know everyone who's listening to this is rooting for you. Lots of stuff happened in 2020. I don't know if you remember that year. (laughs) Lots of stuff happened. So I'll forgive you for not noticing the big news. Amazon surpassed Walmart to become the biggest apparel and footwear retailer in the United States with sales of more than $41 billion in 2020. That was a 15% increase over the previous year, 2019, when there wasn't a global pandemic. And a lot of analysts credit the pandemic and its surge of online shopping for this growth. I was unable to find Amazon's apparel sales for 2021 yet because I was really curious to see if they were keeping up that momentum. Why couldn't I find them? Well, the fiscal year just ended, and so probably they're still working on a lot of those reports. Yes, here's a fun business fact for you. Are you ready? Fiscal years are not to be confused with calendar years. They run from February 1st through the last day of January instead of, you know, the first day of January to the last day of December. And this is the calendar preferred by the retail industry and, well, most industries. So, yeah, we don't know Amazon's 2021 apparel sales yet, but we can only assume that they were a decent chunk of its North American sales of, are you ready? $364.4 billion. Wow. And despite all of what I hope is growing anti-Amazon sentiment, despite all of the terrible stories of what a terrible place Amazon is for employees, we'll come back to that, sales were still 17% higher than the previous year, higher than the average growth for e-commerce as a total. E-commerce is online shopping. So basically, I just threw a bunch of statistics at you. What we know so far is that Amazon grew its sales last year at a higher rate than retail, online retail as a whole. That's pretty scary because we assume that perhaps people are wising up and quitting Amazon. This, this really says otherwise. Let's go back to that 2020 number, $41 billion worth of apparel and footwear about 25% higher than Walmart's apparel and footwear sales from that year. Walmart is pretty upset about this because it had been the biggest apparel retailer in the United States for most of this century. I feel like we don't talk about Walmart like we used to. I know I mentioned this in the early episodes of Close Horse, but like in the early aughts, the 2000s, Walmart was definitely seen as the most evil, terrible company in the world in the way we view Amazon now, Walmart's just as troubling as ever. I just think it gets drowned out by Facebook and Amazon and, you know, big oil and gas. And who knows? There's just a lot of bad companies out there. So Walmart doesn't get as much attention as it used to. But trust me, it's just as terrible as it's always been. 
So yeah, Walmart had been the biggest apparel retailer for decades at this point. And Amazon overtaking them was really big news in the retail world. It filled all the fast fashion retailers with some pretty intense fear. Because to be honest, they had been fearful for years, worrying that Amazon would steal away access to the big brands that brands like Nike and Adidas and other brands I can't think of right now would someday sell exclusively to Amazon. And actually, that hasn't happened yet. So far, it doesn't look like it will happen. But I don't know. I, You know what? I was talking to a coworker the other day, and he was like, someday everything will be sold on Amazon. And it, it gave me chills. I and mean, we were both like, oh. But the truth is, Nike and Adidas and a lot of other brands have been holding out Nike itself even pulled all of its sales off of the off of Amazon and are doing it on their own now. There could be a chance that they might come back around, you know, because Amazon's growing at such a big pace. And to be fair, Amazon did buy Shopbop in 2006, which guaranteed access to both premium brands and customers with a higher clothing budget, which Amazon had not currently had. And then in 2009, it bought Zappos, which guaranteed access to a big chunk of the footwear industry. Go take a browse for clothing on Amazon right now and you'll encounter a wide array of brands from nationally recognized ones like Hue and Hanes to random ones that are just super fast, cheap fashion. Knockoffs abound. I see tons of copies of dresses from Spell, Lisa Says Ga, that Hill House nap dress, and that was just dresses alone. You know, I like to look at what's interesting to me. I'm sure there are numerous other knockoffs and fakes on Amazon because it's just that big. Even Shein products can be purchased on Amazon, which is the ultimate meeting of two very scary evil forces. (laughs) Why am I laughing? I'm laughing out of fear. Anyway, I'm going to be honest with you. I even purchased, this was about five or six years ago, Lolita shoes, blouses, and pantaloons from Amazon. Like, if you really dig in Amazon, you can find all the clothes. Will they be great? Maybe, maybe not. Will they be ethically made? Probably not. This is why so many people are buying clothes from Amazon, though, because they can find just about anything they're looking for. When eBay was in its heyday, I would go in and use the search engine to just find out if things had existed or if they were just something I'd remembered. Like, for example, I remembered that Mattel had made sort of like Barbie doll versions of all the cast of 90210. But I was like, maybe that's just a fever dream I had. So I would pull up eBay and type in 90210 dolls. And there you go. I I was right. They had existed. And I feel like Amazon serves that purpose now. Is Do you believe that something might exist? Do you want to prove that it could exist? Go type it into Amazon search and see if it's a dream or a reality, right? That's just how big Amazon is now. So repeat this number again. Amazon sold $41 billion worth of apparel and footwear to U.S. customers in 2020. But you're wondering, because that's a big number, sure, $40 billion, but we talk about billions a lot around here. Like, what does that really mean? Like, how can we put that into context? How does that compare to global performance for the big fashion retailers that same year? Well, Inditex, a.k.a. Zara, did $24.8 billion in sales globally that year. So Amazon's American apparel sales beat them, right? 
H&M, another biggie, $22.5 billion globally, once again. Fast retailing, aka Uniqlo, $18.9 billion. Those were the biggest players in 2020 globally in apparel and footwear, and Amazon beat them all just with U.S. sales. As of 2020, 11 to 12% of all apparel and footwear bought in the United States was purchased from Amazon. And 34 to 35% of apparel bought online came from, you guessed it, Amazon. Now, I have tons of problems with Amazon being in the fashion game. For one, Amazon drives down prices, so clothes become even cheaper, and customers get even more confused about the true value of clothing. And of course, more humans are exploited to make those clothes as cheaply as possible. Amazon makes buying clothes, any clothes, anything you can imagine, as I mentioned, so easy that it becomes even easier for people to overconsume and think of their clothes as disposable. That's another episode right there, talking about Amazon's impact on fashion. If that's something you want to hear, holler. To be honest, it wouldn't be much different from any of the other fast fashion retailers that we've discussed here, except that all kinds of brands can sell for themselves on Amazon's platform. And that makes it a little bit more complicated and really opens the door to more knockoffs, fakes, low quality, scammy stuff. What I really want to talk about today is Amazon as an employer and how it is single-handedly changing what it means to be a worker, both in the United States and abroad. A few days ago, Dustin was in a meeting. We both work from home right now, and I could hear him because I was working with the door to my office open. He just listened to Danny and I talk about quilts at a fever pitch, so it's only fair that I have to listen to him talk about UX stuff, right? (laughs) And in the Zoom meeting about something that I totally don't understand, I heard over and over again, well, what does Amazon do? Or they wanted something like Amazon does. Amazon, Amazon, Amazon. And it's no wonder, because while Walmart is still the biggest retailer in the world, Amazon is gaining on them. They're number two, and they're getting close to number one. If I haven't mentioned this before, Walmart has a major impact on the prices you pay for food because they're the biggest grocer in the United States. They have a major impact on a lot of the prices you pay for things. And Amazon has a major impact on every aspect of everything you buy, except for maybe groceries, but that will change. Even if a brand or a retailer is trying to be the opposite of Amazon, Amazon's still having an influence there, right? The reality is this. I've been sitting in meetings for years where we simultaneously fretted about Amazon and planned to emulate Amazon. Do you need further proof of Amazon's influence on how we shop and how retailers sell to us? Look no further than free shipping and returns. Now a standard practice, it was a concept created by the rise of Amazon Prime. It pressured every other retailer out there to copy what Amazon was doing, or lose customers to Amazon. Oh, a subscription service for products? See also Amazon, really pioneering that as well. Two-day shipping? Yep, Amazon. 
We've seen Amazon change everything about shopping, but it's also changing what it means to be both an employer and an employee. Walmart is still the biggest private employer in the United States, but Amazon is second. And like I said, it's gaining. And globally, Amazon employs 1.5 million people. Even before the pandemic, Amazon was losing about 3% of its hourly associates, meaning warehouse and delivery workers, each week. This meant that its workforce would turn over 150% each year. That's some statistics. Break it down for me, Amanda. Okay. If you started working for Amazon on January 1st, by mid-August or so, maybe around my birthday, you and everybody else who worked with you on, on that first day, back on January 1st, none of you would work for Amazon anymore. You would all be gone from there, all fully replaced, all of you. This turnover rate was so shocking to every employment expert out there because it was double the rate of the retail and logistics industry. And Amazon executives were literally worrying about running out of workers because it's not like people would leave Amazon Some people would only work there a week or two, by the way. It's not like they would leave Amazon and then come back later. Like they were done. They were over it. This was like turning and burning at its worst. And no one sticks around for a lot of reasons. Work in the warehouse is grueling with these ridiculous, almost unachievable high productivity targets. There's low pay. And even simple things like bathroom breaks are discouraged. In the show notes, I'm going to share a great New York Times series from last year about a huge Amazon hub in New York City. There's there's just so much there. Please go read it. Hourly workers are also managed by an app and a series of algorithms rather than an actual HR department. And so people with otherwise good work records are fired by the algorithm for one bad day at work. Never mind that on that particular day, maybe they had a cold or bad cramps or just too much on their mind. It doesn't matter. They would be fired via text message, by the way. Meanwhile, delivery drivers have such an unrealistic workload, they can't even stop driving to use a restroom. They just got to make deliveries nonstop. Cue tons of stories all across the internet of workers peeing in bottles and pooping in plastic bags. Imagine denying your workers the basic human dignity of using a restroom. That's a bad place to work. The company doesn't mind this high turnover rate because ultimately working in the warehouse or delivering for Amazon is so grueling. It takes a physical toll on the workers. And workers are injured in Amazon warehouses at twice the national average for warehouse work. These workers are so severely injured that on average, they require five weeks of time off work to recover. That's some serious injuries. Amazon needs a steady flow of new healthy bodies, workers who haven't been worn down by working for them. And so... This is just such a dystopic and frightening thing to consider. These workers are literally just bodies to Amazon. They're very disposable. In fact, they want new ones all the time because the new ones work better because they aren't worn out yet. 
Corporate life at Amazon isn't much better. Managers are required to eliminate, meaning fire, 6% of their team each year. Meeting this quota is actually part of the manager's overall performance evaluation. Even if everyone on the team is great, a super hard worker, very talented, etc., 6% of them still have to go at the end of the year. Imagine working on either side of that equation and actually being able to like work and not lose your mind with anxiety. <sighs> There's also the secret and Byzantine performance review process with th- names like Pivot. I think the other one's called Focus. I don't know. There are many, many articles across the internet to tell you about all of the horrors of working at Amazon. I'll share some of them in the show notes. But also, you know, Google is your friend. Go If you want to go down that rabbit hole, it's a deep one. (laughs) It's all super, super toxic. Raises are measly for workers who've been there for a while, while new hires from outside the company make the real money. And to be fair, that's been the strategy at all of the retailers who have employed me during my career. Coworkers would leave and instantly get a $10,000 or $20,000 raise just for going somewhere else. Where's the loyalty? Where's the commitment to the workers? Because we as the workers are supposed to be super loyal to the company and put them ahead of everything else we're doing, yet they can't do the same and pay us fairly. The whole deal of working for someone is you get paid for it, right? That's the deal. It's not like a personal relationship. And listen, if they're not going to look out for me, why would I look out for them, right? There's, There's definitely a problem with the logic there. (sighs) what else? Anyway, this whole thing with the low pay doesn't surprise me because one of Amazon's guiding principles is frugality. So of course they aren't paying anyone if they can avoid having to do it. And let's not forget this. Amazon has engaged in all kinds of shady practices to prevent workers from unionizing. As Robert Reich tweeted this weekend, so let me get this straight. Jeff Bezos can afford to widen a port to fit his yacht but Amazon can't afford to let workers unionize? Good question. When I think about how much of an impact Amazon is having on widening global economic inequality, it almost makes my brain shut down because it's just too much to consider and too much to feel. Here's why I'm concerned about Amazon's impact on what it means to be a worker. Retailers and really every other company out there looked to be as Amazonish as possible. Like, we're the Amazon of baking cakes. This is the Amazon of wedding dresses. The Amazon of gyms. The Amazon of selling houses. The Amazon of restaurants. The Amazon of Amazon. I guess that's Amazon. Plenty of CEOs, presidents, executives, and managers out there, believe it or not, look to Jeff Bezos as a role model. And when they hear that one of Amazon's principles is, is, try not to throw up in your mouth when I say this, strive to be Earth's best employer, well then, they're gonna copy Amazon's tactics from employees managed by algorithm to union busting to mandatory firings to literally viewing people as a disposable and endlessly renewable resource. I mentioned that Walmart is still the biggest private employer in the United States. And guess what? Walmart has set the standard for underpaying retail workers of keeping everyone just under full-time hours so they can't get benefits, of using the bare minimum of payroll to keep its stores running. Everyone 
has been influenced by Walmart's ability to keep the cost of its workforce as low as possible. Is this a good time to remind you, perhaps, that Walmart literally includes information about applying for public assistance and Medicaid in its new higher orientation handouts? Walmart has changed retail work. And Amazon will change all of the other work. It is changing it right now. And there's one more thing. Based on my research, Amazon grew its workforce by about 200,000 workers in 2021 alone. It's been on an upward trajectory for years. As of July 2021, one out of every 153 American workers was an Amazon employee. You, yes you, probably know someone who's worked for Amazon. That's only going to increase because Amazon isn't just warehouse workers, delivery drivers, corporate workers. It's also Amazon Web Services, AWS, which is a data cloud service that is a massive part of its business. In fact, most of my employers have stored their data using Amazon Web Services. That section of the business employs at least, and it's kind of all murky, at least 45,000 tech workers. It's also growing a huge advertising business that's been picking up a lot of momentum. So we're looking at tons of white collar workers and creative types joining that arm of the business. And we can't forget that Amazon also owns Whole Foods now. Or wait, here's another one that I always forget. Amazon is literally in the entertainment business with its own studios where it makes film and television programs. Well, streaming programs, but still, that's another arm that employs a lot of people from a variety of backgrounds. So many different types of workers at all education and experience levels work for Amazon and will work for Amazon in the future. We all have a stake in this. When one employer has the monopoly or at least owns a majority of the jobs available in a town, state, region, or in this case, nation, well, that means workers lose all leverage when it comes to salary, benefits, and working conditions. Once again, Amazon affects us all. Amazon seems like a fierce dragon to slay, but it's not impossible. I never thought, for example, that Facebook would pay the price for its shady behavior, but this week, Facebook lost $200 billion of its value in one afternoon as it reported that for the first time ever, it was losing users. Spotify faced similar ramifications this week, losing a lot of its value as people left the platform. I think we can do the same with Amazon. And it's a hard one for a lot of us, I know. I didn't really use Amazon very often before the pandemic, but then I became dependent on it for things like cat food and random household stuff. First, because I was too frightened to go shopping on my own, and then later, because we lived in a rural area. It was just my only option. This is something that I'm committed to ending for myself this year. And I understand that this is a privilege. I live in a city. I have a car. I have the time and mobility to go pick up things for myself, or I have a partner who can pick them up for me. But even if we can't completely quit Amazon, if that doesn't work for you, you could cut back and that would have a major impact if all of us are doing it at the same time. 
just like so many people leaving Facebook in the last year, really impacted its business. So buying one less impulse purchase, buying one more thing locally, this can add up. So let's make a change together. Here's one last tweet from Robert Reich. If you think 2021 was the year workers got fed up and flexed their collective muscle, just wait until you see what working people will accomplish in 2022. That's how I feel about all the things we're working on. This year is going to be a turning point. I'm serious. I think we can really make a lot of things better. One of the most challenging categories of clothing in terms of sustainable options is athletic wear. Yet you you can't go out there and work out in a pair of jeans or you don't want to go for a hike or a long bike ride in a dress. Although, yes, I've done both of those. I have many regrets about it. Don't be like me. Wear athletic wear to do these things. Active wear isn't a nice to have. It's a need to have. And shopping for it can be so difficult, especially if you're a sustainability-minded, secondhand first kind of person, which I know you are. There should be a more affordable and sustainable way to purchase premium athletic wear. Well, guess what? I found one, and it's Revive Athletics. Revive Athletics believes clothing should make you feel good when you move, and that starts with how you purchase it. Shopping secondhand is the most sustainable way to shop, and Revive Athletics is committed to providing high-quality, premium athletic wear so you can feel good when you shop, and you can feel even better when you move. Everything Revive Athletics sells is very gently used, and they carry a wide variety of sizes, from extra small to 5X, and they offer all of the premium brands you've been scoping out, like Lululemon, Nike, Athleta, Girlfriend Collective, you name it. And while a pair of Lululemon leggings would cost you around $100 if you purchase them new, at Revive, you won't pay over $35 a pair. You're getting really excited right now, aren't you? Revive will also buy your gently used athletic wear and athleisure no matter where you are, and they'll send you a prepaid label to ship items into them. By keeping your gently used items in circulation, you're helping to reduce their carbon footprint. And that, that my friends, is the hashtag secondhand first lifestyle right there. All items are carefully inspected and cleaned with Defunkify, an eco-friendly detergent made in Oregon. And I know you were wondering about that. Are you glad I told you? Revive Athletics is committed to building and supporting community. They offer classes in their space in Portland, Oregon, and they also donate items to Rose Haven, a Portland day shelter and community center serving women, children, and gender diverse people experiencing the trauma of abuse, loss of home, and other disruptive life challenges. What an incredible place to shop. I mean, I know you're sold now. You're like, tell me more, Amanda. How can I shop Revive Athletics. Well, if you're in one of my favorite cities, my former home, the place I think of as my hometown, Portland, Oregon, you can shop in person at their store or you can go online at reviveathletics.com no matter where you live. 
And even better, I have a special offer exclusively from members of the Clothes Horse community. Use promo code REVIVEIT15 to get 15% off your first purchase. And don't worry, I will include that in the show notes so you don't have to run and grab a pencil right now. The next time someone asks you where you got your athletic wear, you can tell them, thanks. It's revived. And know that you made the best decision and saved a heck of a lot of money too. Once again, that's reviveathletics.com. You can also find them on Instagram at revive underscore athletics. Go check it out. I think you're going to love what you see. Speaking of working in a dystopian hellscape... (laughs) It's time to resume my conversation with Rita, a.k.a. Pantywitch. Not that she works in a dystopian hellscape, but we're going to start our conversation mentioning that Victoria's Secret uses prison labor to make underwear. As of right now, that's not actually true, according to Victoria's Secret. But in the 90s, it was using a contractor that did use prison labor. According to the Washington Post, in 1995, the National Institute of Justice released a study that confirmed garment manufacturer third generation contracted sewing work in the early 90s to a prison through a deal with South Carolina Correctional Industries. Victoria's Secret, along with other companies, wound up buying the apparel through third generation that was actually made by inmates at the Leith Correctional Facility in Greenwood. So not technically using prison labor right now. But Victoria's Secret has been linked to both forced labor of Uyghur Muslims in China and child labor in Burkina Faso. I urge you to Google all of this for more info. There's a ton out there. There are also numerous articles out there exploring the exploitative, miserable conditions in some of the factories being used to manufacture Victoria's Secret's products. I'm going to share a link to a 2007 HuffPost article called Victoria's Secret, Slave Labor, and So-Called Free Trade. I highly recommend giving this a read. I'm going to read you an excerpt just because I, you might not go read it. The Victoria's Secret workers toil 14 to 15 hours a day from 7 a.m. to 9 or 10 p.m., seven days a week, receiving on average one day off every three or four months. All overtime is mandatory, and workers are routinely at the factory 98 to 105 hours a week while toiling 89 to 96 hours. Treatment is very rough as managers and supervisors scream at the foreign guest workers to move faster to complete their high production goals. Workers who fall behind on their production goals or who make even a minor error can be slapped and beaten. Despite being forced to work five or more overtime hours a day, the workers are routinely shortchanged on their legal overtime pay. And cheated of up to $18.48 each week in wages due to them. While this might not seem like a great deal of money to these poor workers, it is the equivalent of losing three regular days of wages each week. Workers are allowed 3.3 minutes to sew each $14 Victoria's Secret women's bikini for which they are paid four cents. The workers' wages amount to less than three-tenths of one percent of the $14 retail price of the Victoria's Secret bikini. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Victoria's Secret for many, many reasons. This is just one of them. I did an episode a while back about Victoria's Secret. Go check that out if you haven't. And in general, 
have a good time Googling all the reasons you should hate Victoria's Secret, or at least not shop there. Hate's a strong word, right? I wanted to share that background info, perhaps as a contrast, perhaps as something to get you riled up before we talk to Rita about her panties, pricing them, and so much more. So let's jump back in. You know, you touched on something there that I think is really important for us to talk about, which was the price. That you're, you know, panty witch panties are not cheap. They're not Hanes, five no. for a pack for $10. No. So I am assuming, I have not seen this on your Instagram account, but I see it on everybody else's. I'm assuming you get people who are like, why are these so expensive? Um, I can get underwear at Victoria's Secret for $5 a pair. Why are you so expensive? And I'm like, have a great time at the mall. Like, have a fun time. Um, I hope you enjoy your underwear that were probably made by prison inmates. Oh, yeah. that's And I say that to my family. I've been saying that forever. I've been like, it's probably made by slaves. And they're like, don't talk about it. And I'm like, well. We should talk about it. Yeah. We should talk about it. Yeah. Like, you got that thing on Amazon and it's $5. And yeah. Anyway, though. Yeah, I do get that question a lot. Um, They are really expensive. You know, I wouldn't be able to afford my own underwear if, like, I wouldn't be buying panty witch underwear if I didn't get them. I totally get it. I'm really working hard to do different price points, um, which can be difficult because it just means I have to do less labor. So I try to make like pairs that are like not patchwork, solid, you know, a little, little bit more, not boring, just different. Um, and so I'm able to get those down to a lower price point, uh, and that's great. I don't do sliding scale anymore because I'm just haven't been able to figure out how to do it online. And I also have this feeling that when I was doing sliding scale and people had to directly message me to make a sale, having that personal interaction has like people pay more. Like, you know, when you have to look mm-hmm. your waiter in the eye and they are looking at your thing, like, you know, we pay more. And I just didn't feel like that was going to happen. I also didn't know how to set up a good system to do sliding scale that worked with my lack of technical, like having a website is very new to me. Maybe at some point I'll be able to get back to that. But um, so, you know, having a sliding scale really helped, but now I don't have that. So I'm just trying to kind of like, you know, just really figure out like what is just the dollar amount that like my time, like my time is covered. My materials are covered. I probably don't really always get $20 an hour because I'm working mm-hmm. all the time. I love it, but it's like, I am working all the time. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's hard. And it's a thing that, you know, I don't want to be like gatekeepy, but I also don't want to like, like use my body and like use it up and get to a point where I can't use it anymore and be like, Oh, well at least people could like, I want to value my time. Um, right. Right. I mean, no, all of this makes sense to me. And I would also say like, first off, it makes the, the the very idea, the audacity to compare what you're making with Victoria's Secret underwear is so appalling to me because yours yeah. have artistic yeah. value on top of everything else. Thank I you. feel like they're like they're special. It's an art piece, guys. <laughs> it is. It is that you wear and you feel probably like magical that day. I hope so. Yeah. I don't know what that feeling is like because I have it every day. So <laughs> what hashtag blessed? Uh, <laughs> I think you know underwear, bras, these kinds of things have always been really interesting to me because we tend to, I think, undervalue them. Like they're pretty we important. Undervalue clothes in general, right? Yeah. You know that some people 
I have heard that some people will buy underwear and to not do laundry, they will throw them away. Like, um, this is sinful. It sinful, is. Amanda. Listen, I know. I know. I've known ooh. a few people like that in my life, and I'm still scandalized that I ever That's knew That's a red people. flag. That's a character red flag it, that I will – there is no relationship. Absolutely. Like, it's done. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I am always surprised – you know, like – Many of us are like, oh, underwear should be like a dollar, right? Or they should be under $10, certainly. And just as a person who like works in the industry, like, yes. How? How? Right. Like, I, yes, underwear use less Math fabric. to me. Right. But yeah. the make, the actual sewing. Well, and like, I think it's funny when people are like, oh, it seems so basic and like that's such a basic thing. I would love for people, even if you're not into sewing, Borrow your grandma's sewing machine. Try to sew something really simple. And, you know, like, give it some practice. Give it 20 years of practice. It's mm-hmm. still hard. Yeah. It's hard. And you're using your body as a tool. And everyone can sew. You know, it's like y- everyone can get good at it and do it. But it is hard to make things that look like I would not be able to make that, like, $2 Hanes shirt like it is. I just can't. I don't right. have all the machinery for it. I haven't done that a billion times. I... You know, I just, I can't do it. And so we just undervalue this labor that is, it's, and, and materials. We're just undervaluing this whole system for profit, which seems so backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. Absolutely. But here's my perspective on underwear. I've only had to buy it in a few different roles. So I'm not mm-hmm. like an expert on it by any means, but much like swimwear, um, which is another very specialized sewing fabrication swimwear is like the devil's work it's i will not do it it's the worst it is and especially if things have two layers like they're lined like and that fabric (gasps) yeah it is like the slippery oh yeah it's the worst it is the just the worst yeah it's the worst right but then there's like like that uh company boohoo will sell like a dollar 99 bikini or like you know the swimsuit prices at say h&m have always been absurdly low forever 21 things like that it's because they're not making money off of them. It's like that thing that Amazon did when they were really wanting to buy – what is that shoe company? Oh, yeah. Zappos. Yes. Zappos. And they were like – Zappos was like, nah. And they were like, okay, we're going to do this thing where we like know we're going to make a lot of money. And so we're just going to undercut the shit out of everything. <laughs> and we're going to drive you guys out of business and like – Yeah. Disgusting. Yeah. Disgusting. No, it, it is true though. Like basically – um swimwear and underwear are kind of a loss leader as in like the company knows that like everyone needs them and you get in the door and you're like oh i would also love a cute sweater with my slave underwear exactly but even knowing that a lot of companies aren't making a great margin off of this stuff although i will say the one retailer i worked for uh that is a big fast fashion brand was absolutely making profit off of their underwear prices um but they were still relatively inexpensive, not like pack of five for $10 kind of cheap, but pretty close. I want to know how many times they like lasted in the wash without getting like gaping Oh, holes. no, they were terrible. I bought a few <laughs> pairs on sale and it was like breathing too hard made them rip. But which is, which is, is bad, right? So that was a waste of yes. money. Okay, but on it's top It's just of, a waste all around. Like there's no way that underwear you're buying for that little bit of price 
are going to be both quality and not made with slave labor because sewing right. underwear, there are m- multiple pieces, there are trims, even the most basic pair. Yeah. And it, I mean, I will also say I do kind of the most basic type of underwear making. Like I've never messed around with like any crazy laces. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm I'm really doing some simple stuff, but just like that's, I don't know, that's just, that's how I found like the best way to use my materials and do it. And I like it. Other people seem to like it. But like it gets, you know, it gets so much crazier than just I'm just doing like the most basic underwear making. Yeah. And it's work. How long do you think it takes you to make one pair of underwear? Oh, it so depends. It it just really depends. Like one, it depends like how much is my carpal tunnel acting up today? Like how much am I a scatterbrain? (laughs) Um you know what it's like what am i am i doing all scraps am i not scraps are really hard to like organize know what you have also like if fabric sits for a lot especially like certain kinds of knits they roll really bad and so you like you have to deal with this kind of like rolling fabric and it's just not it's not as easy as just like getting your bolt of fabric and just cutting things Mm -hmm. out of yardage um i do thrift you know i'm able to thrift like quite a bit of yardage there's some really cool like recycled craft stores in washington state um and portland and so and just thrifting thrifting around here like on the peninsula isn't good but seattle yeah (laughs) it's sweet good to know they have the biggest goodwill there no like way. Like the biggest goodwill in the world. Yeah, it's it's like right by downtown. Um, if you're so Seattle local, it's on Dearborn. And um, it's like you walk into this one thing. And it's just, you know, like the goodwill, like like grocery store size thing. And then there's two doorways. And each doorway leads to an equally big warehouse room. What? Like it's overwhelming, but it's the coolest thing. It's, it's really cool. Um, yeah, if you're ever in Seattle, like it's – it's almost just like interesting to go see. They also have like a, I think they have like some headquarters there and stuff. Also hate Goodwill, but like, you know, there's the lesser of evils in a way. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and yeah. I, I think that's a conversation I have with people sometimes where they're like, well, now I can't ever thrift because the only thrift store near me is the Goodwill. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No. Let's slow your Better roll. than going to Walmart. Exactly. You know? like, exactly. Yeah. It's all relative. I can't believe. You know, I've, I lived in Portland most of my adult life, and I never knew mm-hmm. that Seattle had this massive Goodwill. Oh, yeah. And it's – I mean, it's not like – it's not like Disneyland Goodwill, but, like, you know, like, <laughs> one of the, like, full Goodwills is just, like, clothing. And then the other one is, like, houseware, books, linens, furniture. And then this other one, they do, like – either sometimes they'll just have furniture in it, or I've been there when they did, like, the glitter sale, or during the holidays, they put all their, like, holiday stuff in there. It mm-hmm. is just – it's massive, Amanda. Wow. It's so cool. I know. Um, I like want to go just to say that I did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's really cool. And the people are always like, are you talking about the bins? It's not the bins. We also have the bins, which, oh, the bins are scary. It's like an aggression. I've never met in thrifting. Yeah. I can't cope with it. My anxiety is too bad. I'm so non-competitive that I immediately am like, I need to leave. I used to uh, intern at Seattle Art Museum in high school, and so I, I also did Running Start. So I, like, would go downtown early and, like, would go all the way. It's, like, in the, like, industrial district. So I'd go down there, and I'm, like, 16 and just, you know, whatever. And I'd, like, thrift because I'm, like, oh, my God, I can get, like, a bag of clothes for, like, $5, and maybe I need to fix something or fabric or, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, it was super fun. But, like, I I wouldn't be able to do it now. Like, people are so – 
Because it's either people that like need it because they can't afford anything else or they're reselling it or it was just an interesting group of people. And then I'd like walk back through the international or no, the industrial district back to downtown Seattle, which is just, I'm like, God, 16 year old Rita, like not good decision making skills. (laughs) Why were you doing that? But I just wanted to thrift and then go do my internship. But um, I get it. Yeah. I would have done the same. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Good thing nothing ever happened. But um. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I think of all kinds of very foolish, dangerous things I, I did mm. when I was younger. Um, I'm yeah. I'm lucky to be alive for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, wh- I told you as we were preparing for this interview that like one of my big missions this year is t- conversations and action toward making slow fashion more accessible to everyone, mm-hmm. right? We've already talked about the pricing. You know, I think – I mean, we all have to get used to things being more expensive, I think, to a certain extent. I think we just need to value the things we have more. And whether that be the Target underwear you have or the underwear you spent $100 on, like, just value that object and, like, realize that it has a life. And Mm -hmm. um, I think when you just start valuing even your cheaper objects, when you go to replace those or, you know, find better options or whatever, like, you know, it wouldn't. I guess maybe maybe I would buy my underwear because I'm thinking about like how through this journey I really like have like right now I'm wearing like one of Danny's like sweatshirts, you know, mm-hmm. like I spend I don't buy a lot of clothes, but I had to like buy a new wardrobe through this pandemic because my body's changed and all these clothes that I've had forever don't fit me anymore. And so I had to find an option and like thrifting wasn't really a thing and I couldn't try on things. So I'm like, OK, well, I'm not going to buy from fast fashion, mm-hmm. you know, I'm. Yeah, I I didn't want to do that. And so I've bought all these like expensive things um, that I just value a lot. And to me, they're like art. And I'm able to also like use them to like take pictures in to like kind of like create this community. And that's super fun to do. I also don't know because I have not grown up upper class, but like middle class. And I've never really had like you know, my parents didn't let us know that they had a lot of debt and it always like I always had a roof over my head and food and fabric to sew with. So it wasn't like I was like worried about that kind of stuff. And I'm still for the most part now, not today. So I have the privilege of like being able to spend that extra money mm-hmm. on those things. And like, I I don't know, because at, at some point I'm like, man, I'm paying myself and paying other artists like this is awesome. But then there's this flip side of like, there are people that message me that are like, I just want to tell you, I really love your artwork. I can't afford it, but like, I really love it. And I'm like, oh, I just almost want to like give them free underwear because I'm just like, oh, this this sucks. Because <laughs> like, I don't want to be yeah. over here being like, I'm just trying to make money, but like, I also need to pay my mortgage. And I have dreams of like doing other things in my life, you know, and I like want to have money for that. So it's just like really big internal conflict. And I like don't really have a full let me know if you find the answer to this because I, I mean, would love to hear it. I'm in the same boat. I, I I feel the same way. You know, I will get snarky comments from people sometimes like, why do you have ads on the podcast? And I'm like, because I'd like – Because I like to eat food. Yeah. And like have a roof and like <laughs> – Yeah. <laughs> there's this thing called capitalism and we all have to make money. Sadly, I hate it and I want to destroy it. But also like <laughs> – yeah. I what, mean, is, what is a girl to do? Right. Like, I can't just decide to opt out of it because then I don't get to see a doctor or eat food or have a place to live. And, yeah. you know, yeah. Do I think that's unfair? Sure. But, like, this is where we are. And so I don't have a good answer 
to the price thing, right? Because yeah. I feel as though all people should be paid for their work. And, you know, probably if you can't afford to buy panties from you or, you know, from buying things from other slow fashion makers, it's probably because you're not being paid enough at your job. Yeah. It's like one of those things where it's like, I totally get this sucks and there's a way bigger problem. And I wish, like, I hate capitalism. Me and my partner are very like, we have these dreams of like just destroying these like systems in the world. I think it's a really big collective dream that a lot of us are feeling right now. Just like companies we want to see crash and burn and like, not necessarily individuals, but like kind kind of. (laughs) Um, I won't get I won't get political. But you know, like, we just have these dreams of like, like, I don't want to make money at some point, I would love to trade my and I have traded a lot, which has been like so much fun. I can only do so many trades. And unfortunately, not everything that people want to trade with me, I have value for. And that's a hard conversation sometimes to have with people. Um, And but it's like, I, I want to trade underwear for you know, my produce or mm-hmm. for dream this right or there. that, yeah. or, you know, like I've traded for some pretty cool things. It's my mom gets really annoyed about it. She's like, you give yourself away. I'm like, this is so much fun. It's like trading like things at school. Like you don't get it. Like, <laughs> you don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then I get these really cool things in the mail and she's like, whoa, where'd you get that? And I'm like, I traded it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, everybody needs to get paid. I think that, you know, unfortunately, there are so many things at play when it comes to the price and accessibility of slow fashion. And a lot of it is, it's it's, it's a whole complicated thing, right? It's people being underpaid. It's us no longer understanding the true value of items. Because realistically- Companies have ruined it. Right. Realistically, underwear should be, like, twice as expensive as they were when I was a teenager based on how- Rent is twice as expensive as when I was a teenager. Right. And but they're not. They're it, cheaper almost. They're cheaper, right? I mean, like something I that still blows my mind every time we say it on the show is that clothes are cheaper now than they were in the 90s. Underwear is a part of that. And that's because of all of these shortcuts, of all of this exploitation yeah. of people. It's and almost I, like an industrial revolution in a way. You know, yeah. like we've done this thing over the last 50 years where we're like, we can make stuff for so cheap and that's just what people will think it's worth. Well, and like we think going back to our least favorite type of person, mm-hmm. the kind of person who buys un- brand new underwear <sighs> and throws them out because they'd rather do that than do laundry. Like that is how we view so many things in our life, underwear, clothing, shoes, Throw pillows, None of it. you name it. No, you know, even the even the thing that you get at Costco that holds your spinach, there should be a use for that. Like in my dream world, actually, anything that was produced, if you have an off production, you find a way for that to be used, either yourself or you find a company. Like I've let me know, people, if you know of a way to industrially recycle uh, fabric scraps. Mm-hmm. I have given some away to people that fill stuff. I have like one of those garden leaf bags in my studio that's like full of it. Wow. <laughs> I have never like, I probably have thrown away a couple of scraps just like, you know, throughout time. But like, I, I, I have a trash can in my sewing room, but it's like not for those things. You know, like all the clippings that come off a machine, all the scraps as I'm cutting, it's too, if it's too small, I then like put it in this bag or, you know, this, this paper bag. 
And I really want to find a way for those to become something and not go in the landfill because it just like breaks my heart to think of them in this like in a trash bag out somewhere in the world, like sitting there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because like everything we've used is sitting out there. Imagine if like Amazon felt that way, you know? (gasps) I know. That would be a blessed day. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. And I think, you know, unfortunately, you know, like, a message or a comment I receive a lot on Instagram is like, well, it's not my fault that we're in this situation and no, I'll not. never have the same impact that Amazon does on the world. So why should I do anything? And yeah. unfortunately, you know what? Like we've been operating on the honor system with Amazon and every other <sighs> retailer out there for way too long. And guess what? And I think people like they just believe the lies, which is no fault on them, but just like you are just being lied to left and right to make money. Like that is <sighs> the not the point, but like they don't give. A, and then I'm over here spending a year being like, man, I don't like my hundred percent cotton tags, and I really want a really dope like woven. Uh, polyester one. Polyester is bad, right? I can't do that. I spent a year debating this because I didn't like the quality of my tags. They'd like unravel, which I'm just a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. I just wanted that quality. I finally switched. But it took like all of these like, like, like I would talk to you about this and they're like, Rita, just change. Like you do so much. Just like, just do, just order the tags. Like, and I'm like, no, like, uh, and, and it's even, it's recycled polyester. <laughs> but I'm just like, uh, like I, I, I almost feel like dirty as I'm like sewing them on. They're beautiful tags. I've just always, always wanted a, like a really cool woven tag. As a thrifter, I always would like look for really cool tags. And so, but I, I felt so bad about that. But then there's companies like burning things that they don't want to sell. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <sighs> and I just... I think, like, we've for a long time been like, oh, we're just individuals. What can we do? Surely they will figure it out or the government will figure it out. And you know what? They won't. None of that is happening. It's time yeah. for us to make the changes ourselves and demand them. Well, and my thing, too, is like, okay, so if that's going to happen and it happens, like, we also all are going to have to collectively change. Like, the way that we live life is going mm-hmm. to change if that happens. And so I feel like it's just like either – we're going to do it and nothing's going to happen and we're all going to die because we're all on the boat. This is, oh man, I get really dark about this kind of <laughs> stuff. Or it's like we fix it and then we all have to change the way that we live, you know, and it's changed. But like we've almost been like practicing and it's not going to be such a like culture shock, you know, because for some people they just like my family burns plastic sometimes in their fire pit. Not me. Oh, my neighbors were doing that too. And it was, yeah. yeah. And it's, they have a trash can outside next to their fire pit. Oh, I've gone in arguments and like driven away and left. <laughs> I'm that. Yeah. Like I get mad about it. And then they know they're like, don't throw plastic in the fire around Rita. <laughs> um, Cause it, it just, it enrages me. It and en- like, I love my family. I like, I love them so, so much. And I like almost am like grateful that they don't have this eco anxiety because it like, it consumes a lot of my energy and makes me crazy. But also it's like infuriating to like see that. And so for them, it's like the lifestyle I live would seem really crazy to them, but like, it's got to go even further. Like, you know, we're going to be living a really different life if things get better. Totally. And I think, unfortunately, when I see people saying like, 
uh, nothing I do is going to have an impact as an in- individual in comparison to Amazon. I think what people are really saying without knowing it is that they just don't want to make the changes that are, we're all going to have to make. Like, I, yeah. I saw someone squabbling on Reddit about how it was pointless to push people to use public transportation when Jeff Bezos is going to the moon. And I'm like, here's the deal. We're all going to have to start taking public transportation. Yeah. Like, like we're not going to all be able to have cars. Yeah. Like just get you yeah. to it now and it will be less painful later. And I, at the same goes yeah. for buying less stuff and not buying underwear just to throw them out and the endless yeah. list. And I think sometimes yeah. just saying like, well, I don't have an impact is an easy way to give yourself the freedom to not change. And we all have to change. Like we're all going to have to be involved yeah. No matter what, even if next week Amazon is like, we're going to change everything and this is how we're pressing. We're closing down small businesses is the future. Like we're going to do this. Like your life is going to change. We're going to liquidate all of our inventory and all of our Mm -hmm. factory warehouses and everything and donate that money to small businesses and education. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, even we're gonna like fund housing and food for like the entire global system and like free Medicare or like medical care, like forever, like because they could do that with their money. I mean, I just got really excited thinking about this idea. (laughs) But even if that happened, uh, I'm almost like tearing up thinking how amazing that would be. Anyway, I'm like getting myself all yeah. But even if that happened, that's not the end of the story. It's like we no. got to keep up the work. I mean, I think no. It, yeah. Yes, there are systems that need to be broken down that are larger, but we also as humans have to change our relationship with everything we do in our lives. You know, like unfortunately, yeah. we're all going to have to be a little less selfish. I'm kind of excited like and that's what I kind of feel like when I was little I like gleaned from the the depression I'm sure there was like really rough I know there was really rough part of it but it seemed like there was kind of like this collective like caring for the things and the people around us in a way that like it doesn't always happen as humans absolutely I Um, mean I had hoped we were going to see this during the pandemic and we saw a glimpse of it. We did. I was like, ooh, is this is this fully the thing? It's not the thing. And now I'm like, oh gosh, is the thing gonna be like a civil war or something like that? But like, ooh. I don't even want to think about it. This is the kind of stuff yeah, that know. keeps yeah. me up at night. I definitely get into <laughs> me too. A tale I'm up at night at the same time, just tossing and turning, and then I'm like, I'll just look at my phone to distract my mind. Yeah, and I know that, that makes it works, it makes it worse. Yeah. That's totally <laughs> um I would say like I feel a lot of optimism right now because I do see how so many people who care have been mobilized to make changes in their own lives, to, you know, make help others make changes and educate them. And yeah. I, I really do believe much as many people are starting sl- small businesses thanks to the pandemic, there mm-hmm. also are people out there, and a lot of them are the same people, who are like, things have got to change. Like, yeah. we have – this pandemic has really – uncovered or at least made a lot more visible all of the systemic injustice in this world, all of the shortcomings of our existing economy and its services, everything. Like I, I I want to believe remember back in 2021. So long ago. It seemed like maybe the (laughs) pandemic, I know I feel like it was a hundred years ago when it seemed like maybe the pandemic was going to be over soon. I remember last summer. Yeah. 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 It seemed like, 
Because all of a sudden people were going out to brunch yeah. and buying vacation wardrobes. We didn't have to wear masks if we were fully vaccinated. I mean, we still should have been. But, you know, it was like yeah. the messaging was like, guys, we're almost done. Right. There was this part of me that felt a little sadness. Not that I didn't want the pandemic to end. Good Lord. Same. But I also felt Same. like I was seeing people acting as if nothing had ever happened. And for me, that period and and this whole pandemic has been this just life-altering experience for me where I will never yeah. be the same person I was before same. it started. No. And I – There's after and then there's there, there's before the pandemic and there's after the pandemic. There's, there's a lot. Right, right. And my hope is that like people who were not changed when it seemed like – you know, gosh, that it was a it was a long time ago already, right? Last summer, where it was maybe going to be over, and they were just going back to normal. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the silver lining of this continuing on, if there is one, is that it's giving more people the time to think about making changes themselves. I I don't know. I don't know. I I think so. I mean the. Like, my partner's really into, like, the Reddit, like, resignation, um, anti-work stuff. And it's just, like, you know, it's been going crazy. Like, more and more, more and more people are finding things, like, that they can do from home. And, like, also all of the, like, cryptocurrency and stock stuff and, like, that whole Mm -hmm. new frontier. We won't talk about NFTs in our household stand for nudes, frogs, and toads. (laughs) Um, nothing else. And, but like, you know, but it's, there's like all these new things that we're realizing that we can do. Um, and that's really cool. It's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel excited. I feel optimistic. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want to be, I want to, I don't want to lose that. So when I think about like what makes slow fashion inaccessible to a lot of people, I mean, there's a whole list of reasons, but the two biggies I always see are the financial side of it, which we just talked about, and the other is the sizing, mm-hmm. because we know that a lot of the brands out there at the landscape right now that are unfortunately the larger face of sustainable and ethical fashion only make teeny tiny clothes. Yeah. And then if they do make bigger clothes, they suck. Like, they're yeah. not graded right, like... There's even a company that we both really, really like, and I have noticed that as a bigger person wearing that company, they're they they have a little bit of work to do. We love them, and I try. I'm really trying to like. I have a whole thing with ARQ, you know about that. But it's like I love them, and they're doing better than other things. And it's really Mm -hmm. easy to get critical of people because it's like feels like not enough still. But like you know, they're a better option than other things, and like I'm glad I'm glad they're here. But I hope that mm-hmm. in the future, they're able to do better. Yeah, it seems, I mean, like, I, you know, just from my experience as a buyer, um, sizing is hard, right? I mean, we had Meredith on multiple times to talk they about- They don't teach plus size fashion right, in right. fashion school. It's just not a it, thing. And so there aren't a lot of people out there who have that skill set. It also costs money. To me, mm-hmm. that's no excuse. Right? It's like, you guys have the money. What are you guys doing with it? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I'm frustrated by that, especially yes. the brand you were just said, because yeah. they they pander. Well, not pander. They represent themselves as a brand that's really about size inclusivity, right? and their sizing yeah. is horrible. It and then is, it feels like terrible. greenwashing. And I know that like it's better than nothing because I have some other piece. I'm literally wearing majority of their pieces right now like i love their sweatsuits that's great 
but like it it's it's like one of my only options and that's why I have it but like I wish it was better yeah yeah and I'm not even that fat I'm like a small fat you know like it's like okay if I'm having problems with this like god I know I mean in general I will just say that their grading is really weird to me and I've yes, never that's what yeah I've never yeah. been able to find my size there like it just yeah it's like I'm like oh next time I'll order this size and it will be perfect and then I order it and I'm like but I feel like I need to go back to the other size but I know the other size doesn't fit me and like where is that yeah that in bet- or it like you know like I have a bit of a belly and it like it pants like it just it looks it's like it could be better yeah know? Yeah, I don't know what the yeah. deal is with their – I haven't even tried their pants because I just think I can't handle it psychologically. Uh, yeah, fair. <laughs> but, I'm just a pants girl, so, you know. Yeah, I'm a yeah. non-pants girl. So, you know, we have our own struggles. But, yeah, yeah. Um, so what – you know, I know that you you basically – you go up to 5XL, right? Am I remembering? Which isn't big enough. I'll be fr- – like, I, I can do better. And do you do customs for people who want larger sizes? I don't do customs, but that has been an idea of mine because I'm really trying to, like – I kind of, I'm feeling like I'm done doing customs. I don't know if that's forever, but like right now it is not in my future planning. Mm -hmm. I got really burnt out of it. It created this kind of like stress Rita that like no one liked. I, it was just like, you know, teeth grinding, sleeping. Like I love my job, but for some reason it just felt really stressful to do customs. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now I really want to do like ready to set, cause it just feels better if I'm like, I have the thing, I sell it, I get the money, they get their thing. There's not this like eight to 10 week. It just, it feels better. But I'm really trying, you know, I want to make what the people want. Mm -hmm. I've never, and I decided on 5X because that's, that's the biggest I've ever gotten ordered from. And like, I've maybe made like two pairs of, of um, 2X and I've made like almost 700 pairs of underwear now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and I actually, when I, I had a clear out drop recently and I like, po- and I told people, I'm like, this is me clearing out my studio. Nothing went above a two X, but it was just like random. Sometimes when I make customs, I would make extra or makes mm-hmm. different options for people or, you know, like this is just this bin that's sitting in my room. And I, if you were on camera, you'd see my sewing room is clutter core. And so <laughs> like, I want that bin to be empty. Right. And so I like post the drop and I, and then I announce it on my Instagram with a picture of models, two of which I would consider plus size for modeling. Mm-hmm. And I get this comment being like, well, you don't care about the fats, like and all the ones that you did that were in bigger size, like two X isn't acceptable. And all the ones that you did that were two X were like bland colors, which I, I think this person was just mad because I don't change. Like I don't, I'm not like, Oh, it's a bigger size. I got to make a different, like I, mm-hmm. it's just what I, you know, and they weren't, they were very colorful. This person was just mad. And they say, take this as constructive criticism and do better. And this was just after the whole panty fairy thing, too. So, like, my nerves were ragged. You know, Um, I mean, we talked about this, like, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Sometimes it's hard to be a person on the internet, right? Because It's really hard. Like, I guess what frustrates me as an outsider hearing that story is, like, once again, this was just some extra stuff you had lying around. I felt like I communicated. And I told people in my email and on the post, I'm like, if you don't see your size, reach out to me. Like, let me know what you want because I'm making more underwear. And like, I will, I will make that. Like, I'll do it. I don't, you know, like come back for more. Like I want to make people happy. Um, And I responded and was like, I'm so sorry. You feel this way. Like, again, this was a clear out sale. Like I love, like 
ev- like everybody, like I want everyone to have like the thing that fits their body. Um, and also my size chart, I just made it up. And like my 2X is some people's like four or five X. Yeah, I was looking at your like, size chart. It depends chart. on yeah. the brand. Yeah. But like my sizes run, I don't know if that's small or big, but like, you know, people are always like, oh, I've always been this size and now I'm this size and you know, whatever. I honestly should have just assigned colors to it mm-hmm. and not done like the sizes because it trips people up. Mm-hmm. But she was just, and then she said I was tone policing her and that I was making uh, that fat bodies don't have to be small physically or mentally totally agree with her um and that i obviously did not care about fat bodies so i was like i'm so sorry like i'm also just another fat person out here two hands like i don't know what else you want me to do like i will be making more of those sizes um and then bless people's hearts they saw that and they were like no mean to be rude also like if you know this person, you know, they normally make a lot of sizes and like, you can be patient like the rest of us. Um, which I feel bad. I understand that person's anger. And like, for the most part, I'm like, yeah, like we all need to do better. And like me included, but it just, it feels like it's really easy to get picked on when you're like already try- like people hold you to this higher standard. They'd never hold like multi-person companies, which is really confusing to me. Um, I, no, I totally right. agree. I mean, Preston <laughs> and I have s- had so many conversations about this because, you know, much like you, everything I do with Clothes Horse is like a one-person job, right? It's like yeah. I'm doing everything and I'm trying so hard. You're lucky if someone helps you. You're like, wow, this is amazing. Like, right, ooh, right. Oh, this feels special. <laughs> and like I try so hard to think about accessibility and the messaging and new ways of sharing information that are easier for other people to digest and, you know, all the ways in which I can help people. Like I stopped making Instagram videos because it seemed unfair to not have good captions on them. But I also, that's a really hard one for me, but it would take me like six hours to caption a video. And I was like, I guess I don't make to get to make videos anymore because I don't want to do it wrong. And the Instagram captions are terrible and that's not fair to people who can't hear what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 So anyway, I take that all really seriously. And it, I look at other, like, for example, podcasts or content creators who are playing in this space and none of them are caring about that at all. They don't care. And yet, like, yeah. And and I don't think it's like malicious that they're like, whatever, but it's just like, it's hard then to receive criticism for something that like is a lot oftentimes out of your control. And you're like, it, ma- it made me want to quit. Like I wouldn't quit, but it just made me like, well, fuck it. I guess I'll just like not do this anymore because like, I'll never, I'll never be able to do it good enough. And like, you know, that's exactly. I had that experience right before Christmas where I was like, I'm just going to quit. Like I'm being held to the standard that I just like as one person with very limited resources can't achieve. And I'm trying so hard to do better constantly, to make that progress, to make- It feels like the bar is just going to go too high and you'll never, you could never get up to it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, it it's just really self-defeating. And I think the other thing is that like often, and it, this is hard for me because I don't want to tone police people at all. Like no, I want them to no. speak to me like openly, but- But kindly. But kindly. Exactly. Exactly. Like yeah. I'm a person- yeah. You know, like all of these people on the internet are people. And I have felt that, like, honestly, sometimes people who are having a bad day come to me 
as a means of sort of getting that out. I, I like I like I have this I had this drop and I'm like, you know, getting orders and there's this big like oh you get a high from it. Like right, right. I'll just say it. There's a high. And I'm like having this high and then I get that comment and just like my stomach sinks. I respond to it. Now I have a rule because of this. I'm not allowed to respond to anything like this for an hour. I just have to like sit. I can call someone, like phone a friend, you know, just like I don't react. I don't I can like look at things, but I'm not gonna like I do nothing. Um, and it just like brought that down. And so I like went over to my mom's house and was like, I'm just going to like distract myself. Normally I like to pack orders as I'm getting them. Cause I'm just that person. And she was like, I was just kind of like processing it with her. And she's like, will you like show it to me? And she read it and she's like, Oh, Rita, this person's just having a horrible day. Like they're just something like not something's wrong with them. Like, you know, they're just having, they're having a rough day, like something, their, you know, partner broke up with them. They lost their job. Their ha- basement flooded. They learned they have to move in a couple months and don't think they can afford to move to, you know what I mean? Like absolutely, something's absolutely. going on. And unfortunately, they opened Instagram at that moment and they found this to be enraging and there was like no, no pumping the brakes. It was just, yeah. So yeah. ultimately, like, I hope that person's day got better. I hope so too. And I try to, I Me think, too, yeah. I think it's like, that's the way we have to approach those messages. I also, you know, I, I saw an interesting conversation on Instagram recently. God, this is turning into like an episode about Instagram, but <laughs> part two from a, yeah. from, a, from, a, from it's if it's from a create creator in like I I think they're like a like a video game content creator. Like they make content oh, yeah. about video the games. Whole thing, yeah. right? It's not my world, but like I respect. No. Like, listen, but, you know, panties aren't everyone's world. You know, like my my husband makes those videos. Yeah, I exactly. think they're so boring. But like, you can make money off of them. Totally, like, totally, and like, yeah, anything, any kind of content creation is like. Let me tell you, it's really hard to even cover your expenses in it. So I am just like so happy for anyone who actually can make a paying job out of it. But she said something like someone was like, I don't think it's fair that you uh, block people from the conversation or don't respond to every comment. And she said something like, I'm going to be really honest, Rita, had never occurred to me once. She was like, "Okay, this page belongs to me. If yes. Someone's being a this jerk is my, to me. This is, my, this is my space. Right. You do not have to be here. You can go s- to someone else's space. You can go create your own space. This is my space. And it's not a space for anyone to be mean and bully. And like, we need to have better boundaries, Amanda. I think that like, it, it, social media is so hard because it's like you and me behind a screen unless it's like, like sometimes people are like, oh my God, you actually answered my comment. Like, wow. But it's like... It, like it's it's me and you and people feel like they like we owe them something by being here and by them being here neither of us have to be here mm-hmm. and ultimately the person that comes into our space does not have to be here and if they don't like something they can totally like kindly message me or leave a kind response or you know a comment like i'm always open to like finding ways to do better um you know because there's always room for improvement but like to come in like that like i don't know how you think people are gonna like respond and take you um they my mom's uh a counselor and she always she's always told us like for every one negative interaction you have with a person this be your child your spouse your friend you need i think it's like up to five positive interactions to cancel that out 
So think about when you get in that fight with your partner, like you're really mad at Dustin, you know, you guys are just like on each other's nerves. I'm sure it's happened with the moving. Oh my and then, like, goodness, has it ever. When you kind of like edge back into that, like it's not like you can just go and like give him a kiss on the cheek and you're like, oh, it's all good again. You know, like there's some like emotional repair that has to happen. And it is not different depending on if we're online or not. Like, you know, when you come at me yelling, my initial response is going to be defensive and like we're not going to get anywhere from that. Um I wish that people would like think about just just think about things before they do them online. And I know like I felt this way when I had the whole copycat thing of like, wow, I don't feel like I really like thought about my actions and how they'd affect other people. Mm-hmm. But like, so we need like an online like how to be online and be kind to other people and like, like a little course that we all watch, you know, just like a 10 minute video. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it'd be great. I actually really love that idea. I honestly, the other day I said, said out loud to like Brenda to no one else. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes people message me like I'm Jeff Bezos. Like it's just not okay guys, you know? And I want everybody to just take a deep breath before they send a message to anyone on the internet or comment yeah. angrily and just think about wait an hour, wait an just hour, give yourself an yeah. hour, yeah. go for a walk process it, phone a friend, do something that makes you not think about it for a second or think of, no, actually not that, not that do something that you make like you think about it. Um, and I, I just think people would be a lot calmer and more caring and not that this can't be a really cool space. I'm really grateful for the internet for the most, it's a mixed bag, but it just, Oh, it'd be so much nicer if people just like, like, I wish that lady would have been like, Oh, I, I didn't understand that it was a clear out sale. And like, you know, all, all like she had commented on other people had commented being like, oh, I'm bummed I didn't see my size, but next time. And she commented and she's like, yeah, she doesn't care about us fatties. And I'm like, oh. and I didn't delete any comments because I just like, I don't want to do that. But uh, oh. I know. Yeah. But like, if you wanted to, you could. Yeah. Let's just do better for each other because this is how people give up. And quit uh-huh. because yeah because they get so discouraged because the bar keeps being raised and ultimately like yes I am not going to be supportive of someone who isn't trying to constantly yeah. be doing better who ignores it but I also want to recognize when people are working hard to do better and constantly do better. And also go yell at, like, companies that are, like, never even trying. Like, go put that energy into something that, like, can make change instead of, like, the people that are genuinely trying to make change, like, I don't know, bullying them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's probably not what they're in- – I don't, maybe it is. I don't know. We we can't know any intentions. I don't know what it is either. I mean, I would I would love to know that. Right? Don't – when the whole panty fairy thing happened or, like, this thing with this lady, I'm like, I wish I could go and talk to these people and not be myself but being like, hey, so, like, what did you think was going to happen? And, like, what was your thought process? Like, I want to be, like, in the therapy session they have about this event if that's – I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like, I just want to know, like, what is <laughs> what's going on? Because I'm recru- like, I'm receiving some crazy energy on my side. And yeah, what's happening for you? Over there? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I, I, I would love to have that conversation because I do feel, you know, something I've been talking about a lot on social media lately is just how I feel like there is there is a level of communication and lack of support that exists within the slow fashion community Mm -hmm. that needs to end because this is how people give up. 
And we need to be supporting one another and swooping in when things are going awry and being there for one another. And we conversely should not be calling out people for these things that aren't, I don't, just aren't real. Read the whole post, you know? Find out that these were just extra panties that you had lying around. I don't want people to quit, you know? Like, I want us to keep up the momentum we're doing. And I think supporting one another and maintaining a positive space, which is not the same as tone policing, even though I talk my, I gaslight (laughs) myself about this all the time. Right. uh, (laughs) That is the ticket. Like, I am just... Often when I get a message from a troll, I just like kill them with kindness and more links and messages. Uh And usually I never hear from them again, but I just feel like I, I mean, sometimes I'm just like, yeah, fuck you block. But in general, like I really am trying as hard as possible to put more positive energy out there than negative. And I know it's hard. We're going through such a hard time, Yeah, but I'm really committed to that. And I hope that other people will hear us talking about this and feel the same way. It's not yeah. toxic positivity. Well, I'm glad there's other yeah. people that are committed to it. Yeah, because it sometimes it feels like a, it's a losing battle. It's like because it's, it's hard. You know, I have negative days too, where I want to be like I hate everything and be rude and stuff. But like, I, sometimes I'm like, do you yeah. follow me just to be mean to me? Because please just stop following. You know, that that's. I made it. I don't know what you do, but I was getting a lot of like bot comments and like weird comments. So I made it so like you have to follow me, me to comment. Too. Which now, if I ever do giveaways, they're like, I can't comment on your thing. I'm like, well, first you're supposed to be following me. I mean, just to enter the giveaway, if you read, I had to do that during Vegan Leathergate, and I have no regrets. I do- don't look back. <laughs> great choice. I uh, highly recommend for everyone. Yeah, it's great. I'm going to ask you one last question because Perfect. we've been talking for two hours. Yeah, and Dustin has ramen for me. I have to go eat. I, yeah, I got to go eat my beans soon. Exactly. Wow, beans. Um, I mean, you know, beans are a whole day affair. So it's like the I get it. Like, I get yeah. it. It's a reward. Yeah. Okay, well, I just wanted to ask you, like, what what do you want to do with Panty Witch next? Like, what do you have coming? You keep you keep referencing this fairy collection, which I have seen on the internet. Yeah. It's very cute. Like, what else? What else is going on? What are you getting inspired about? Like, I mean, what like else this year or like grand Rita master plans? Pick your pick your poison. Um Ooh, I like like Grand Rita Master Plans. Okay. I mean the fairy the fairy thing. I'm just doing a drop. I've never done a like a drop. Like it's normally been pretty random. Because mm-hmm. um, I've only ever really been doing drops for the last like quarter. Mostly it was customs, so that's fun. But that's not like grand plans. That's just that's fun. Um, but my dream right now, I live in if you know about Washington, I live in Port Angeles, and my parents and my brothers live in Squim, which is about a thirty minute drive. Um, I just couldn't afford to buy a house there. I would have loved to, but um, I, and I don't want to live with them. I love them. I just, I don't ever want to live with anyone besides my partner ever again. I get that. I feel the same way. Like just like, I need to have my own, like I can have days where I just don't have to see anyone. I don't have to share like Mm -hmm. living space. I'm just, yeah. But I really want to move back closer to my parents and are my like dream plan is to have property, um, we live in a more rural part. So like, you know, forests, I'm really into mushroom hunting. I'd love to someday be graced by having like mushrooms on my property. Um, and I'd also just love to have the space to have like community gatherings. Like I'm really into, I've only been to one Ren Fair, but I'm a Ren Fair girl. It's really fun. I'd love to have a space where I could like throw my own 
Renaissance fair and not for profit, but for like people to come and like camp and dress up in Ren Fair and like, yeah, if you make stuff that you want to sell, sure, but it's not like this, you know, like commercialized thing. Does mm-hmm. that does that make sense? This sounds amazing to me because I love the Renaissance fair, but I feel like yeah. they've kind of gone downhill in the past few no, years. Yeah, I want people that like, I mean, you don't have to make your own costume. You have to be in costume though. Like, sorry. Like, yeah, you're, yeah. you're not getting in if you're not. But um, <laughs> I just, I like, I think it would be so fun to just have the space where I could like throw this. It probably wouldn't be a public thing. I'm not going to lie, just because like, it just wouldn't like I'd call I'd be calling my own guest, but you can find me on Instagram and become my friend and make it on the guest list if this ever happens. I can't so wait. It's not, like it's not open, but it's not just like I'm not just going to be like putting signs out. But um, yeah, I just really want to have like the space to have like really fun, like for adults to play, not in the like. <laughs> not like burning not like burning man drug like kind of but not like not based a- on like partying necessarily <laughs> not not adult, that not that vibe and not adult friend finder which i until recently <laughs> really thought it was a place where people found friends yeah no <laughs> no i'm like i want to find those things but i know it's people just looking for like their like thruple thing which yeah is cool, which is but, fine like, but yeah, different yeah vibe, but like different I, vibe. I just want a pal yeah know? yeah exactly um, but yeah, I really just, I really long to like create community. Me and my partner are not interested in procreating. I love children. Again, I love birth. I love being around my nieces. Like I'm, I love them. I just don't have like the emotional capacity and the deep inner need to do that. Like I get it. You know? Yeah. 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 I'm not in like, you know, birth and breastfeeding sounded really fun, but I don't need to like make another human to explore that. I can see it through other people I love and care about. And I just, I don't think that I would be a very good mom. <laughs> I, it would be a roller coaster anyway. So we're not having kids. And so our goal is to really like kind of, um, Oh, it's going to sound really dumb. Like feed our inner child and really like explore life in a way that like we wouldn't be able to, if we had kids. Um, and so we really just want like the space to do that and to be able to like build community, um, and yeah, I don't know if that like answers your question. That's kind of weird. Who knows if it will ever happen, but um that's what we that's what we dream about. I mean, I love it. Sign me up. I'm trying to like heal my inner child permanently. Right. I'll I'll put you on the list. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I've already I've already got an outfit in mind. So awesome. I'm, I'm definitely coming. Um well, this was so much fun, Rita. It's like it was so much fun. It's so weird because I feel like I've known you a hundred years, but me you know, too. we've never met in real life and really working on this podcast was the first time we like talked and yeah. it feels so natural. Uh, like we've known each other forever. So I'm just, I just really enjoyed this so much and I'm so grateful for Well, And I just want to thank you because I like, I felt for a long time that I would never like find my people. And I found through like doing this and finding communities like yours and like making my own community that there are people like, not there are people just like me out there. Um, but like there are people that like care about the things I care about and stress about the things I care about. And like, I don't know, it just like makes me not feel so alone. And like, I, I've definitely cried listening to your podcast being like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> like there are other people out there. And even if I don't know those people, like if I don't know them personally, it's like just good to know that they're there. 
Absolutely. So Rita, I told Rita before we started recording that there was an episode in which I was like incredibly sobbing in uh, (laughs) and I edited it all out because it made me cry to hear myself crying and I didn't want to do that to all of you. Uh, So fun fact, I have literally sobbed in a recording of Close Horse Podcast. Um, But I will say, I just want to echo what you said there, Rita, like working in the fashion industry, I have always felt like an outsider. I felt like I was just this weirdo who cared about things that no one else seemed to care about. And it made me feel like I was the problem. And when I talk about how I have fully begun to realize myself and my potential and who I am during the pandemic, it is because of the community I found. Like I just finally, I'm like, oh, here's the place where I fit in. Yeah. It's it's amazing. I'm so grateful yeah. for it. So I know we talked about how people are mean on Instagram, but I'm also just really grateful for all the people I've met yeah. during this time period. It's like I found the like cool kids I want to sit at their lunch table and like I get to sit at the lunch table. Exactly. It's incredible and I'm I feel so lucky. I'm going to start crying again cuz I just feel so lucky. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Rita. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you again to Rita for spending two hours with me. At the time we recorded this, I don't know if you can tell, neither of us were feeling very well, and we both thought maybe we had COVID. I just had cedar fever. But basically, anytime I have a sore throat or a headache now, I assume I have COVID. Welcome to the past two years. I'm sure this story sounds familiar to you. Nonetheless, talking to her made me feel so much better And it also led us to realize that we need to start some kind of 90-day fiancé virtual fan meetup. We have so much stuff to discuss. There's so many seasons to break down, so many characters. Anyway, please go check out Rita on Instagram, where you'll find her as panty.witch. That's the symbol dot, not the word dot. (laughs) Oh, just go look at the link in the show notes. This episode is getting long, and I'm really trying to keep them all under two hours, so I'm not going to give you some rousing pep talk or some meaningful insight. I'll just say thank you again for listening to another episode of Clothes Horse, written, recorded, edited, all the things by me, Amanda Lee McCarty. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends to give it a listen. I love, to this day seeing when one of you recommends Close Horse on Instagram. It's the best. Still makes my day every single time. Uh, If you don't like this podcast, feel free to skip leaving a rating or review. (laughs) And don't tell your friends. (laughs) Okay, anyway, uh, what else? If you want to support my work here on Close Horse, please go check out patreon.com slash Close Horse podcast. All those brands you hear in the beginning are Pegasus sponsors who, for the price of $25 a month, because they, su- they want to support what I'm doing here, they get that little blurb in the beginning. So please go support them. Shop small. That's my favorite way to shop. And lastly, but never leastly, thanks to my other half, Dustin Travis White, for our music and audio support. Bye. Bye.